Okay. I okay. always enjoy, enjoy the casting process for those roles. With uh, Right, so we've got a new uh, Mark Wahlberg film. He's looking for some heinously ugly sisters. So, are you, are you interested? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly how it goes. <sighs> ugly sister number one. Yeah, what do you think? Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates, an ex-video shop owner, an industry insider, and a black belt in 80s kung fu movies, put their mastery to the test on movies that change the world. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, and we are live from the panic room. And my name is Whitey, and I'm the host of Born to Watch. And in the studio with me today is Gow, and he's back, but we'll get to him in a minute. And live from the land is the man with the clot, Dan. And this week, we are going inwards. We're talking Australian cinema for the first time in Born to Watch history. An iconic piece of Australian cinema. A movie that the three of us all grew up with, and I'm sure we have seen many times. And when we do over and under, it'll be very interesting, I've got no doubt. Uh, It created and adopted Aussie superstar, the first Russell Crowe. Spawned three sequels that spanned 34 years, and there's actually another sequel being made as we speak, Furiosa. If And a question I will pose a little bit later, but maybe if the third movie didn't exist, could we be talking about the greatest movie trilogy in history? Of course, we are talking about Mad Max, and here's the trailer. His name is Max. The crack interceptor on the highways of tomorrow. His only weapon, 600 horses of fuel-injected machinery. His mission, to pursue speed-crazed bandits. Anywhere. Mad Max. Rated R. Now let's meet the team. We're back to full complement after last week where I was left on my own and I had the super sub in the panic room with me, Damo, who did a wonderful job. After travelling halfway around the world for WatchCon Mark II, Gow is back sitting opposite me. How are you, mate? Very good. Great to be back in the studio with the boys again. Thank you, Whitey and Damo, for a great effort last week. Um, Super episode. Yes, I was away. I've been overseas. I was actually uh, invited on the inaugural United Airlines flight from uh, Brisbane to San Francisco. We're um, getting a reputation. Born yes, to yes. I went on to re- review their movie collection, actually. Okay, know, excellent. Something they may want. They've got some podcasts online, so maybe, maybe there's a spot for us on there. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Maybe we could offer offer something to them. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, no, I had to, had to get away. Had a had a few rough weeks, so I thought I wanted to go and find myself a little bit, get back to my roots, so I went to Vegas. With the wolf pack? <laughs> with the, with the one-man wolf pack. <laughs> no, I had a, had a couple of talks with a few of the larger casinos over there. Maybe a couple of residencies for us. Nice. Yeah. A live show would do well, I think. Live, live movie reviews. Why not? We could be the new Chris Angel. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Barry Manilow. Well. Billy Idol. Adele. There's heaps, heaps of them over there. Yeah. We'd well, be right up there with we, them. We would. And we deserve to be. Well, we're on Spotify with them. We do hold did the go, same court. Did you go see Human Nature? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> Well, That's, a surprise. That's a surprise, Gal. 
Mate, I was very, I was very busy. Back to back meetings. Yeah, yeah. Back to back. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, up there on the land, recovering from DVT that would have destroyed a lesser man. Dan, how are you? Yeah, first, first, I'd just like to say United Airlines can get fucked. So that's good that they invited you on their Brisbane San Fran route, Gow, but I'll never be getting on their cattle class piece of thud again. Yeah, pretty shit week on the land. My leg's still rooted, so I can't actually do much. I'm going a bit insane. But it gave me plenty of time to watch Mad Max a couple of times to add to the tally and also, of course, revisit my favourite documentary on Earth, which I've mentioned many times on the pod previously not quite Hollywood. So, yeah, I put I put my sitting around with my leg up time to uh, to good use at least. Excellent. So this it's nice to see that you might have actually done some research for the podcast, Dan. Yeah, I'd, I don't know if you know, listeners, but oh, for, sorry, I wanted to say something else too. Uh, as far as us being the AG, I reckon Damo's heaps better than me. So if he wants to come in and, and sub in, he's welcome to, uh, to to come in and be a force of any time, Damo. I think you're awesome. But, yeah, look, the, 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 it has been thrown up. Has been thrown up about a foursome. I'm yeah. still struggling. I'm still struggling with a threesome. I'm not sure I'm experienced enough to go to a foursome just yet. Well, well Sonny Payne, Sonny, I've got to get Sonny on too. I'm on his land, and he, he's just special for yeah. a couple of movies. But I think it's—is it Aussie Movie Month? Have we decided that? Or do we talk about? Well, that we're doing again? two. We're gonna. We, we've we've decided on two, and we possibly will do a third to round out November. So we'll decide the third one. But we're definitely doing. Mad Max this week, and we've got uh, another Aussie one for next week, which we'll obviously tell you guys about at the end of the podcast. Yeah, uh, that's good. A big, big fan of Aussie movies, and and not quite Hollywood. The doco just made me even more proud to be part of the Australian movie movie making industry. So, absolutely, yeah, some some rippers to talk about. Definitely. Look, this is an interesting one, and, and I've got an interesting story about when I first saw this movie. But uh, do you guys remember when you first saw Mad Max? No. Short answer. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Saw it early. I know that, but couldn't tell you the very first time I saw it. Yeah. What about you, Dan? God, I would have been young. Yeah. No. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Look, obviously released in '79, so you know, we were we were only whippersnappers when it was released, and it was not the kind of movie that a young child should watch. And really, you you probably should have been at least eleven and up. So I you saw it. You saw it at Hoyt Syringham Mall the first week it came yeah. out with no, four ducks from Colleen. I didn't. I didn't. But something quite similar. So, every, well, you guys know, and now the globe knows that my dad used to work for Rank Arena, and he brought home a VCR when VCRs in the early days of VCRs, and with him he carried two videotapes that came with that VCR. One of them was Apocalypse Now, and one of them was Mad Max. So I'm tipping this must have been. 83, maybe 82, maybe very early days of VHS. And on they went. So when I was eight or seven, I sat there and watched Apocalypse Now for the first time and then watched Mad Max as a seven-year-old or eight-year-old and loved it. (laughs) I remember watching Mad Max and and it was pretty full on for the age we were. I remember some of those scenes, uh, you know, were well, pretty terrifying still, at the time. Is. Yeah, it still, still is. is. Yeah, uh, and we'll get to some of those, I guess, later on. Yeah, but no look, getting back to that, I I don't remember when I first saw it, but I do remember getting our first VHS player. We bought it from Grace Brothers at the mall, nice up the top there, and took it home. And I we got two movies, can't remember one, but the other one was definitely Stir Crazy. Yeah, nice. Don't know why we got it, but that's what we got. Yeah, I I recall the first VHS I ever owned. My nan gifted me for my birthday, Robbery Under Arms, with Sam Neill. And with that, in a package deal, The Last Starfighter. 
Oh, good Which movie. Which is quality. Yeah. yeah which God, is I used quality. to love that movie. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gal, why don't you tell us about Mad Max? All right, with the tagline, when the gangs take over the highways, pray he's out there somewhere. In the ravaged near future, a savage motorcycle gang rules the road, terrorizing innocent civilians while tearing up the street. The gang laugh in the face of a police force hell-bent on stopping them, but they underestimate one officer, Max Rokotansky. And when the bikers brutalize Max's best friend and family, they send him on the mad frenzy, leaving him with only one thing left in the world to live for, revenge. Yeah, it's it's essentially just a revenge thriller. It is, and his revenge is not a lot of the movie. No, it is like the last seven minutes. He just takes them all out real quick. Quick. Real quick. Quick, like the, the bikey gang goes, and we'll get to this, but the go- bikey gang goes from like 30 when they first come into the town to pick up the Knight Rider's body. Yep. And there's like six in the end. Yeah. I'm not really sure. And when they get to the farm, yeah, there's not, yeah, there's many, not, there's not many. many of them around. Not many. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure what happens there. Look, this movie, this is an interesting one because this rates 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which I think is brutally low. Uh, but, but it's certified fresh, 91% on the tomato meter which is critics, 70% audience score, which I think is purely because it's an Aussie movie that was released into the US and, and it's not it's not well received. They don't get it. I want to ask a question about the 6.8, but I don't really think I should bother. Go on and ask it. No, I was going to say, well, how did they get to that? Is it because it was an Aussie movie that didn't do so well? well I'd say, I'd say yeah, the so majority where it comes from. I'd say the majority of ratings are from the US, without a doubt. But it's, obvi- like with the crit- it's obviously well received, critically acclaimed, 91%. I think it's... It's it's seen in film schools now. Like it's shown yeah. in film schools. This movie, this well, is one hundred percent guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah, it's yeah, it is, and it spawned it spawned the sequels really quickly. Yeah. It was only a couple of years till till the second one was Absolutely. out, and then only three years till the next one was out. Absolutely. So I'm sure we'll get to it, but it also was released in a US dub in the states. It was not released with the Aussie language, and yeah. I know Dan Dan tried to get me to find a copy of it for him. And I actually stumbled across one that I couldn't get to him. And God, it's bad. And we actually might play some throughout the podcast. We might play a little bit of a scene where it's the US dub and God, it's awful. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. No, it's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't really work. Okay. So, Gal, why don't you tell us about who stars in the movie? Well, there's a major star. And then, you know, we run down. There's a few people in it, but it's obviously Mel. Uh, and it was Mel's first role. I mean, well, he was born, he was born in the US in 1956 and moved to Australia early on. And we're studying at NIDA alongside Judy Davis. They were in Romeo and Juliet together. And alongside Jeffrey Rush and Colin Frills as well at NIDA. Um, and he had a few stints on stage, knew a few things before. What a, what a class. That would have been. What a class. That, it's, what a it's class. A, yeah. Frilzy, I mean, that's, all, all jokes aside, Fr- Frilzy is, is very talented as well. But Jeffrey Rush, Steve Bisley, yeah. Judy Davis. Oh, Judy uh, Davis Mel, is next level. Mel Gibson, that's it. Like that, I mean, that's just an incredibly talented class to go through the joint. Did you guys ever have any any uh, any thoughts about going to NIDA? I contemplated it. Yeah. Definitely. Gal, yeah. after your, your performance as the tree in, in Little <laughs> Shop of Horrors, did was it something that that um, yeah. that ever ever came to you as far as uh, possible careers? Yeah, look, I had a few offers to to sort of fill that niche and, and to expand for people that wanted to follow up in those kind of well, you know, natural roles. But what's unfortunate, Gal, is that if you'd hung in there, you could have played Treebeard in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I could have. You missed an opportunity I there. I could have been in Game of Thrones. Little Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like you guys, 
guys, it was definitely, uh, I was curious as to what it was at the time. Obviously, did zero effort to find out about it. And that's a chapter that never happened. And I ended up more on the production side of the film industry. But it was, uh, yeah, I, I can see we're all uh, budding thespians back in the day. So it would have, I'm sure, have been on our radar. You've been curious about a lot of things, though, Dan, haven't you? Yeah. And, uh, well, the, you know. I, look, it, my motto has always and will always be: if it feels good, do it. So, <laughs> if uh, it, it's mean I've gone down a few dark paths, sometimes with you guys torch bearing, many times without you torch bearing. So, yeah, that's you know, if it's uh, if if you <laughs> if it feels if like it's too good, if you're giving a tickle, then do it. Absolutely. Continue, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Mel's first movie was. Summer City, and now I think Steve Bisley was in that as well. But he played a character called Scallop in 1977, and then moved into the Sullivans. And this is this is the same for quite a few of these people this year. The Sullivans, Cop Shop, yeah, uh, a few shows of that time. And then he got cast into Mad Max in '79. So he was still coming out of NIDA at that stage. Yeah, he was still he was still training. Yeah, yeah. he got paid ten grand. Yeah, for the and, role, and not only like that. that, he he wasn't going to uh, audition for it. He turned up to drop a mate off, and his mate was like, "You might as well have a crack." Now he got in a fight the night before and looked That's like right. shit. Mm. It was all bruised up. So he's gone in there to audition and they've taken the Polaroids of him. And then he's gone back two weeks later and he looked normal. They go, who are you? He goes, That's me up on the board. I'm all bruised up. And they're like, holy shit. Like this guy's a, yeah. this guy's a star. And straight away went and saw George Miller and bingo bongo. He's oh, Mad Max. Yeah, prophetic. Yeah. So I thought, I didn't realize, I thought he was always putting on that accent that he has when he was in the Luther Weapon movies just because they were American and he was meant to be an American soldier in those films. But he's got that weird-ass Aussie Yankee accent in this. So I don't know. Do you know, I thought he left the US as a kid, but it, it really did, sounds did. like well, he, he was still affected by that twang. Well, born in 56 and he moved in the, in the 1960s. So, I mean, there's a, there's a definite... Well, it, they it's, hate it's to lose anyway, the so. accent, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Yanks, it's Yanks like, are famous for holding onto their accents. It's like when Dorian Martin went to the states for four months and came <laughs> back and spoke like an American. Shout out yeah. to Dorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny, uh, but anyway, yeah. So he you know, was um, a nominee for awards in Mad Max. Did another movie that year in '79 called Tim uh, with Piper Laurie, and was got an award for that too. I believe an actor award. But then went into '81 into Gallipoli. Fantastic oh, Aussie movie. One of the great movies. The best. Peter Weir, amazing. Yeah. And then Road Warrior 81. So only a couple of years later, we're into the sequel, as we said. Yeah. And, and one of the sequels that could quite easily be better, better. than the original. Yeah. Could yep. be. Yep. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll talk more about just with, with Mel Gibson. He, he pops up in film school for F-Wits this week just because he sounds like he's an absolute fuckwit. So it, it's a real <laughs> shame because he's you'll go on, I'm sure, Gal, about not everything he went on to do in, in his film career, both as an actor and a director and both some at some stages. But yeah. his, uh, his private life overshadowed that and, and some pretty mm. racist and, uh, and, he and went- misogynist views that he espoused onto uh, onto, onto recordings. That yeah. essentially had him cancelled out of out well, of Well, he went he went down in a flame, didn't he? And quickly, alcoholism was his undoing. And I think he, he just he was here one day and gone the next. Well, the- I'll, I'll tell you guys, he, he won two Oscars, um, and they were best picture and best director for Braveheart. Yep, in ninety five. And his his other award that he's got is the from the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. He won the Female Focused Award, their Sexist Pig Award. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> really. Yeah, apparently knocked that one out of the park quite look, easily. Look, the, the only thing that really needs to be said about Mel Gibson is, oh, Mel. 
You know, <laughs> why, Mel? Why, Mel? You were such a star. Yeah, as you said, he went down in a, in a blaze of glory, didn't a he? blaze of glory. Yeah. But, uh, look, I'll go through because, I mean, his his back catalogue's pretty big. So one of the best. We'll, we'll one bounce of the best. through it. The Year of Living Dangerously, The Bounty, 84, The yep. River, Beyond Thunderdome, 85, Lethal Weapon, 87, Tequila Sunrise. And there's Kurt Russell. There's one Kurt degree, Russell. One degree. So I was waiting for you. Yep. Lethal Weapon 2, Bird on a Wire, Air America, Lethal Weapon 3, The hold Man the, Without a Face. Hold the phone. I love Air America. I think it's underrated with Robert Downey Jr. Yep. Yeah, I like the, it. The, yep. yeah, I think it's good fun. He's That's Mel Gibson at his charming best, I reckon. Did you well, like Bird on Robert Downey was in or out of rehab at the time too. I think yeah, they, they, it was around that time. Drunk yeah. him to do the movie and then he went back in or something. Or when yeah, yeah. It, was, it was 1990. It was around that time. He would have been. He would have been on that China White over there in the Ooh. Southeast Asia. He would have he been hard to resist. He, he definitely espouses the "if it feels good, do it" uh, ethos. Oh uh, yeah, the, yeah. the board to watch to love, but yeah, he went a bit far. We, yeah, we, that was that we, was his nineties. We talked about him in less than zero with uh, imitating life. Yeah. You know, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So uh, Braveheart ninety five ransom conspiracy theory. Oh, that's a good movie too. Yeah. Payback. I like Ransom. Ransom's good. Ransom, yeah, Ransom was good. Gary I liked Payback too. Payback's great. Payback's yeah. great movie. Yeah. Uh, the Patriot in 2000. And then, yeah. you know, you've, you know, you've hit Ledger. the big time when you then get to do a rom-com, What Women what Want. What Women Want, yeah. yeah. With Helen Hunt. With Helen Hunt. Yeah. It was awful. In 2000, yeah. Not we a were, fan. We Were Soldiers, Signs, Edge yep. of Darkness, Get the Gringo. Yep. Quite like that. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. He was in Machete Kills. Yeah. Uh, this is where he's getting a bit paycheckish, right? Well, yeah. This is where he's on the way out. Uh, well, then the Expendables. I mean, there's a few other things in there, but yeah, this is probably when the troubles hit him, so the roles weren't coming through. Well, I think I think from probably get the Gringo on. Yeah, I think he's starting to be on the out. Then he's not quite. Well, there, was, there was a massive issue with him and the Passion of the Christ as well. So yeah. he definitely, unfortunately, it, it was due to his views with that particular film, and I guess it clashed a lot with. Traditional Hollywood and and, and other. Well, he's a mad churchy. He's, he's a mad Catholic. He's a mad churchy. So that that's why I think yeah he was starting to what you said paycheck is like get the gringo, which is obviously a huge step down from Oscar winning roles and and also the big franchise movies that he was doing. So yeah, def- definitely started the decline. But then when he got he got caught uh, telling his then girlfriend what would happen to her if uh, if she went out in the, the source without him and um, got caught espousing anti-Semitic views as well. So it just wasn't wasn't going to end well for our Mel. No, and it didn't. Oh, Mel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just got the old Mel reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Shout out to uh, several uh, Born to Watch listeners for that one. Yeah, I'll leave that one there, Dan. Thank you. Oh, Mel. Continue, Gal. Uh, look, here you go. Sliding doors for Mel. Um, he almost turned down the role of William Wallace in Braveheart because he thought he was too old for it. And so he asked the producer if he could just direct it instead, but they wanted him in the movie, so a compromise was made to put him in. And I think probably well, his biggest movie, well, one of his biggest uh, movies. I, I can't, you can't imagine anyone else in that role now. No. You know, he's very good in that movie. Yeah. But was considered for James Bond in The Living Daylights and Goldeneye before Dalton and Pearson, or Pierce Brosnan, I should say, were, were in there. Yep. Um, but he got turned down. I think he, he, might have been a better, he might have been a better Bond than uh, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Look, I thought about that. I, I think he would be. He's got, he's got the wit. He's certainly got the charm and the wit, but I don't know if he has the polished. 
But and you know, in saying that, have, you, have either of you watched any? Have either of you watched the two Dalton Bonds lately? No. Like in the last not game? lately, no. no. Okay, so it, they're actually not bad. They're worth a watch. They're not. It's not all his fault. The movies are way darker. It's a, they're a way more yeah. serious tone. It's a different. It's a massive tonal shift in those two movies, and it's not all Timothy Dalton. Of course, we're used to seeing uh, the campy Roger Moore, and then before him, you know, Sean Connery. Roger, but, Roger Moore. So, but they're not as bad as you think and, and worth having a little look at. Okay. Yep. Have to go and rewatch. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it was offered the role of Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, but turned that down because he was doing Lethal Weapon. I don't know if I could see him in no, Kevin I don't think he's, role. Not a, he's not a Boy Scout. No. He doesn't yeah. have the Boy Scout charm that don't, Kevin Costa yeah, does. Don't know. Turned down Harvey Dent or Two Face in Batman forever because of Braveheart. Right. Yep. Um, I could see him there. Now, here's one I, I thought might have been good. He turned down the role of Kyle Reese in The Terminator. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I, I look, I think he would have done well in that role. Definitely. Michael, Definitely Michael young Bean's good. We're all, we're all huge Michael Bean fans, but I can yeah. see Mel Gibson, yeah, doing that. He would have crushed that. I think he would have been really good in that role, yeah. So he would have been deep in, that's the 85 is Beyond Thunderdome? That was 84, yeah, so Beyond Thunderdome, yeah, so 85. I guess he would have been doing. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been involved in that. But he also turned down Maximus Aurelius. Turned down being the gladiator. I'll tell you what, I can see that. Yeah. I can see him as um as, as Maximus Aurelius. Yeah. Yeah. And what a I mean that that role is really the one that put I mean Russell. Well, that, made was, Russell that, that was the big that was it. thing for him, yeah. yeah. Well that won the Academy Award for that. Yep. And put him on his way. Yeah. Look, then we move in. So look, the rest of the cast, we've got Steve Bisley. Good, good Aussie actor. He's been around he's, for a long time. He's very good in this, the goose. Very good it's in just, this. Yeah. Just a Possibly. larrikin. Yeah, very. Yeah, I thought he was great on that. Especially 100% snafu. Yeah. He's got one of the best quotes in the movie too, which we, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, that I, I hope it's what I think you're yeah. going to be. I hope it's what I think you're going to say. Okay. I'll leave that for you. But, uh, yeah, look, he started in Summer City as well. He played Boo in, in Summer City alongside Mel. He was in Newsfront, had a small role in Newsfront in 78. Mad Max, a town like Alice, um, but then was in Police Rescue as Nipper Harris. Oh, mate, I love Police Rescue. Gary Sweet, yep. Steve Steve Bastoni. Yep. Yeah. And then he was into. Yeah, he's in the Water Rats. He's Jack Christie. He was in the King. Sea Patrol. So done. And then he was in Great Gatsby as well in 2013. Sea Patrol was that that was the one that had the. Uh, was it Andrew someone? It was the Andrew Navy. Clark. Andrew Clark. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. That was a great show. It was a Navy boat. They did the Navy Sea Patrol. Boat. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, so look, Joanne Samuel, who played Jessie, uh, you know, she, she had some early roles. A few, a few of the actors in this movie had some early roles yeah. and they haven't really kicked on. She was in Young Doctors for, for 255 odd episodes, you wow. know, in the 70s um, and won the role in this movie or in Mad Max by default. The actress who was going to play in the role was had a car accident before shooting was going to start. So she was cast into it really late. Because she knew sign language? Yeah. You know that, about you. Yeah. You know that's made up, right? Yeah, of course it is. Her one, she just made that up on set, right? <laughs> She's a good actress. Yeah. She was in the Wiggles movie in 97. That was about the last big thing she was in. Wow. Wiggles movie. Um, and then you've got the good old Toe Cutter. Well, mate, he's in two Mad Max films. Well, he is. He Different plays, roles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't know though. Like, you wouldn't know he's a Morton Joe. No, you wouldn't you, know. In Fury wouldn't. Road, he like, looks terrible. Well, you don't see his face really. Yeah. Um, you can sort of tell when he talks. You yes, can tell a little bit when he talks. Yeah, but it's very hard to pick up. Yeah, that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the only time you see his face is when that thing gets ripped off him at the end. Yeah, so. yeah. 
But um, yeah, Hughes Keysburn, he was starting in the movie called Stone in 1974. Was That's in the a band good biker movie. Good biker yeah. movie. Oh, he was he was played Simon in a movie be close to your hut Morgs. It was called Mad Dog Morgan, 1976. <laughs> Did that with, star um was Dennis that Dennis Hopper? Hopper? Yeah. yeah, wow. He was, yeah, it was. Mate, right. we, laugh, we laugh about the piss consumed on Born to Watch, but Dennis oh, yeah, Hopper God. was on the overproof rum, just drinking full bottles and just making an absolute canut of himself for the whole <laughs> shit. <laughs> Apparently it was a nightmare. There's a, a lot about that in in, in uh, not quite in Hollywood. The, so yeah, that's definitely right. Definitely worth yep. a look. Again, you know, there's a, there's a good stat about about beer on this movie too. You got that one, Whitey? Yes, I do have that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, look, also he's in Ginger Megs. Oh, I Captain love Ginger Megs. Good movie. Love yeah, great Megs movie. Yeah. And then obviously he wasn't you know jobbed around for a bit, not doing a lot, but then the Morton Joe in 2015. Um, we've got. Roger Ward. He was in Mad Dog Morgan as well. That's Fifi, isn't it? That's Fifi. Yeah. He was a bit of a favourite of the Aussie genre filmmakers at the time, Roger Ward, because he's such a he big was, unit. And, yeah, and he was in a lot of them. He was a, he was a wrestler. So he was. that's why he's got such a big frame and stature. But, yeah, I think he's great. He just turns is that, up. Is that, do you reckon that's supposed to be a bullet hole in the back of his head? You, you know, he's got the scar down the middle of his head. And then yeah. Like a, it looks like a bullet. It's like It, it reminded me of the... Uh, of Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction, how he had the Band-Aid on the back of his head. Yeah. It's like, I, just, I was like thinking when I was watching it the other day, I'm like, God, is that supposed to be a bullet word? He yeah, wasn't, it yeah. wasn't a nude nut. Like, George Miller asked him to shave his head for the role. Right, so he okay. Yeah. Full hair. Right. So, that's interesting. No, I didn't, didn't pick up on that. Yeah. But, yeah, he was in The Man from Hong Kong as well, alongside the toe cutter. Uh, he was in number 96 and the pirate well, movie. Ab- yeah, pirate movie. Yeah, Chris Pompton. Atkins. Blue and Christy McNichol. Yeah, used to watch yeah. that. So I, tr- I actually tried looking for that the other week to watch. He was in Young Einstein in 88, but he was also in one of Damo's favourites oh, in 1990. God. Oh, God. Quigley. Oh, Quigley oh, down under. Played Brophy in that. Wow. Yeah, little film. Quick one. Sheila Florence was in this movie too. She played May on the farm. She's oh, the little, bird. Yeah, she's Lizzie Birdsworth from Prisoner. Yeah, gonna, Prisoner. yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. She was 100 then. Mirrors. <laughs> I wish you would again. <laughs> I used to I used to pretend I was asleep when I, I first moved up to Sydney from Melbourne, living with Barma at, at Narrabeen, <laughs> and I'd be in the single bed and she'd have she'd she'd have prisoner on. So I'd have one eye open uh, trying to watch that as well. So I got got a lot of prisoner time in there. Yeah. I used to watch a bit of prisoner late night prisoner. Yeah, same thing at home. I used to see a bit of that. Yeah, the good old freak. <laughs> Did you get into oh, a Apparently the, the reboot was oh, yeah. actually yeah, a huge Wentworth guy. Yeah, no, yeah. look, I did, I did, I got into it um, for the first two series, and then it jumped the shark for me pretty quickly when the freak in the new one, uh, you know, gets caught out, and then they put her in the same prison <laughs> with all the prisoners she's been doing all the bad stuff. Yeah, to. right. Uh, got you. So the, the, the screw. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was the screw, and she was really bad. And then she got caught out doing a lot of stuff. And she was the she was the um, the warden. And then they right. put her in that same job. Well, because that would happen. Right. Yeah. And that, when it, when it got to that point, I kind of I didn't watch the next six seasons of it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. <laughs> but anyway, that's look. We're pretty light on. Yeah, I reckon that's I, I'm it. not going to go into Kundalini. No. So one the one there's one guts. one guy that one guy that is uh, that you didn't mention that has a really iconic head and he turned up in a lot of Australian TV and film over oh, time. Uh, let me let me just guess to see the station yeah. master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. That's not who I'm talking about, but yes, he has a very uh, okay, a, hang on. A I got another one. I got another one. 
Go. The fuckwit lawyer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gil. Gil, yes, he, he was on Cop Shop for years. Yeah, yeah Cop for years. Yeah, yeah. He's no, got really money. I'm not talking about him either. No, oh. it's uh, the, uh, the the mechanic at the when yep. when Mel goes in to get his his tire fix. So his name's yep. Nico. I can't think of his surname, but he was on all sorts of Aussie TV, including Heartbreak High, the original one. But yeah. interesting story. He's actually a co-writer on Mad Max Fury Road. So he was uh, he was right. just an actor in this particular movie, but he helped out with Fury Road, which is obviously. An incredible film. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a slashy. This guy, he's uh, he's got his fingers in a few pies, like me. Said he yeah, was going nice. north. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. Look, the other one was Jeff Parry, who played Craig's dad. <laughs> Could be the past. Mud guts. Mud guts. <laughs> no, 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 he was no, no, he was the offsider. Oh, his name's escaped. Oh, Bubba Zanetti. Was Zanetti. Bubba Zanetti, yeah. Yeah. Mate, but you talk about him in Aussie stuff. He was in Gallipoli in 81. He was in Anzacs. Remember Anzacs, yes. the miniseries? Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, yeah. what? Well, yeah. Hogs and And then he was, he's had, you know, he's had one-off roles in Stingers, Water Rats, Blue Heelers. <laughs> Stingers. So he's, he's bounced around. Stingers. Where is Philpsy? Are we getting Philpsy on this podcast? Uh, I'm missing Jim again this week. Uh, we could, come on, Philpsy. With our, with, our America, with our Australian, we could do one degree of Philpsy so easily. Oh, exactly. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. We need right, you, Philpsy. Yeah. That's enough on the cast. We're wearing thin now. Tell us about the uh, the rest of 79. Big year. What do you got there? Well, what have we got? Okay, 79 movies. So, look, the awards went out this year. Kramer vs. Kramer won pretty much everything. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman, Best Supporting Actress for Meryl, Meryl Street, Street. Yep. Uh, Best Screenplay, Best Actress for Sally Field in Norma Ray. But uh, the number one, well, the box office for this was it was a domestic gross of eight point eight point seven five million, a worldwide of a hundred million. I don't know if that's retrospective, uh, but it was shot in twelve weeks for a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. No, it was the it was the the highest grossing film based on uh, based on cost of production for years. After yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this thing had an incredible return. A hundred million on three hundred fifty grand was just uh, yeah. Was unheard no, it's of. crazy. It wasn't well, until Blair Witch Project came along that 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 finally beat him because that cost about nine bucks. But yeah. uh, no, Mad Max was the the title holder for many 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 years. Well, I'll tell you what. It's one point four million adjusted for inflation for twenty twenty two. That's the budget. Yeah, one point four million crazy. dollar budget. Crazy. But you know, there's a few the few things we'll get to about why that was because there was a lot they of gorilla, gorilla stuff they in this cut movie. Some yeah. shit. But other seventy nine movies. What do you reckon the uh, the box office winner was that year? Seventy nine. Box office. Was it Alien? Alien no, wouldn't have won the box three. office. No. Alien was number yeah. three with one hundred eighty four million. Don't know. Oh, got number two was. Apocalypse now. All right, Rocco. Oh, Rocky two. Rocky two. Oh, was it Rocky two? Two hundred maybe, or was it a uh, or Greece? No, we mentioned this. Uh, we mentioned this uh, franchise before. We mentioned the franchise before. Number one, we've mentioned the franchise before. Was Moonraker? Oh, Bond, uh, two hundred and ten million. One of the worst Bonds. Yeah, they go to space. Yep. Do you know Star- what, so, so Quentin Tarantino and his uh, his his producing partner have actually done a podcast recently where they actually stick up for Moonraker as a film. Yeah, I've listened. Yeah, I listened to it. Yeah, they're yeah, not, they're yeah. Not, they, as as podcasters, they make incredible filmmakers. But I think that it's interesting <laughs> that they chose that movie because I yeah I wouldn't have I haven't seen that in years and wouldn't bother to watch it again. But yeah. they they're yeah. very fond of it. 
They are, yes. But yeah, a couple more. There's Star Trek in number four, Kramer vs. Kramer in five, Mad Max in six, uh, Apocalypse Now in nine, Escape from Alcatraz in 15. Great movie. Meatballs came in at 16. Yeah. <laughs> Was that 79? Wow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Black Stallion. 20, I love The Black Stallion. Yeah. Ricky Schroeder. That's right. Yeah. It's great. Ricky Schro- yeah, Ricky yeah. Schroeder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 boat, the boat sinks and he... Yep, that's yep. right. Fuck, it's a good that's movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, what, one of one of my favourite old movies came in number thirty two here. The Warriors. The Wanderers. Oh, the Wanderers. Well, the yeah. Warriors are out in seventy nine as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Wanderers. Well, the Warriors were thirty four. Sorry. Yeah. The Wanderers. Have you not seen the Wanderers? The Wanderers. Ken yeah. Wall. Uh yeah, yeah, and it's the guy from Porky's. Meat. Uh, oh, the big fella. Yeah. The big what do they do? Oh, they're gangs. It's a gang. <laughs> They're gangs, yeah, in, in New York. It's 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 not the sort of same as the Warriors where they're trying to get home, but they're all in their local gangs and there's end up being gang fights. It's a, re- it's a really good old movie. If you like the Warriors, it's sort of a similar similar vein. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's unreal. Is it like the fish that ate Pips- Pittsburgh? <laughs> Thanks, Damo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, Life of Brian in at 38. Yeah. Um, He's not the Messiah. And really, that's it. I mean, there's there's a few good movies there. There's oh, hang on, hang movies. on, hang on. I've got a couple here for you. One of my favourite horror movies that I remember as a mm. kid, When a Stranger Calls. Great movie. Great One you have like number eight, the Amityville Horror. Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead. There's also uh, Caligula, which is starring one of the McDowell's, and it is a full, full-on full porno. It's a full-on oh, porno. that's right. I've heard right? about it's that. It's Malcolm yeah. McDowell. Uh Mate, there's some great movies in 79. Yeah. Really good movies. 10 comes out with Bo Derek. She wows everyone. The Jerk, Steve Martin. Steven Spielberg's worst movie, 1941. The Black Bruce. Hole. Yeah. It's a good movie. Though. Oh, he's one for goobs, Breaking Away. Yeah, that won, that won a couple of awards too, Yeah, Breaking Away. But all right, let's slide in. We've got other movies. Let's let's slide into yeah. Let's slide into some songs. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Songs. Let's do it. Let's do it. What do you reckon the number one song was, Morgs? Uh, it'll be Michael Jackson. Uh, no, no. Don't forget this one. It was Racy. Oh, it was Lay Your Love on Me. Right. Come on, baby, lay your love on me. Yeah, that's the one. That's the wow. one. Wow. Really? In at number. Kiss in at number two. I was made for loving you. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And then Blondie in at three. Mate. With Heart of Glass. Mate, uh, Michael Jackson, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, can't be far away. Get up. Um, don't know. Not on my list here, but I've got I've got a couple for you here. In, in number well, number 11, My Sharona. Yep. Yeah. Old one-off. Um, La Freak, number eight. So chic. Yeah. I don't like Mondays at number six, the Boomtown Rats. Oh, mate. But here you go. Number, number 13, Morgs. This, this has been right up your alley as, as a young bloke around Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> up there, Kazali. Oh, this is Aussie, oh, this is Aussie list too. Sorry, I should have I prefaced yeah. that. Oh, hang on, hang on. I got, I got one, 1979. And then... Video killed the radio star. Yeah, video killed the radio star. On the, this is a, mine's on the yeah my, the buggles uh, number eighteen. But no, I I was going to do the top twenty. Yep. Bright eyes came in with art Garfunk. Art Garfunk. Oh, well, that's from uh, Watership Down. Yeah, which absolutely destroyed me as a kid, even to this day. I've got PTSD for watching really? Watership Down. Okay. What about the rabbit. Yeah, about the rabbits. Yeah, yeah. 
But no, I, so I was going to cut off at 20, but then there's a song that came in at number 22. I couldn't just leave it out. It was the Mojo Singers. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. <laughs> that came in at number 22 on the Aussie, on the Aussie singles. Oh. Well, I, I've got a song here. It was released in 79. I'm going to start. I've got a feeling we're all going to chime in at some stage. It is the night. My body's weak. I'm on the run. No time to sleep. And I got to ride, ride like the wind to be free again. And I got such a long way to go. Such a long, such a long way, to, way go to go to the border of Mexico. So and ride. Like the wind. Christopher Cross. One of the best. Great, yeah. great song. One of the best songs. To, it, it still holds up today. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah. And I must say, it is the highlight of Anchorman 2. It is the only good part of Anchorman 2. There's not much good about Anchorman no, 2. It is the only part. Yeah, that's a great yeah. song. Good year, 79. Uh, a lot of good songs. You know, I Got You, Split Ends. Uh, just a lot of bullet. That was split in. Split in. Those guys were about eighteen when they wrote. I got yeah. You. It was incredible. Yeah. Our talent. I those crazy Kiwis. Yeah. I thought "Don't Stop Believing" would be. That was eighty-one though. Okay. I just looked it up. I thought that's got to be around the same time. I tell, tell you what, it was a. And this is one for Goobs. Uh, big year for Chris Cross. Sailing takes me away to where I'm going to. If you if you get some, if you're looking for something to listen to, just type in Yacht Rock into Spotify, and all of those Christopher Cross, oh. Dizzy Brothers, um, a bit of Eagles. It's it's just definitely just a bloated Southern California drugged up uh, feel. If if you're keen to get amongst it, it's very very good. Absolutely. Yacht Rock. All right, I'm into that, Morgs. Yeah. Yacht that's Rock. Right up. That's right up the alley. Get, that'll get you through the day. Okay. All right. You you done, Gal? Done. Okay. Well done, as always. Crushed it. Couple questions. Question time. Oh, we've had this one before, but we just need to confirm it. Is the Interceptor the greatest movie car of all time? Yeah, I loved it as a kid. Oh, How good was it? Like when you're young and that thing just pounded down the car. road. Yeah, all the cars. Yeah, like the well, MFP, the the yellow XB Falcon. Yep. Fuck that paint job is next level. Love it. The the Batman car. The original one was pretty special, but I think if, yeah. you, if it's a, if it's a car that you covet, then definitely one of these would, yeah. would be. I mean, and, the, and do you know, do you know that the original was found in like a scrapyard in nineteen eighty? Yeah, crazy. Like enough. they just did nothing with these cars. They if they kept them, they'd be worth millions of dollars. Yeah, I, rem- I remember going to the Easter show, and it must have been like in the mid eighties, and and there was a big top that had the interceptor from Mad Max two in there. And I got to go in there and sit in there. It had the passenger side door with the dog seat on the side. The dog could sit in. Yeah, mate, just to love that car. Love that car. Okay, then question two. And I've sort of mentioned it earlier, but if you take out Thunderdome, where does Mad Max, Road Warrior, Fury Road, it's got to sit right up there with the great trilogies of cinema. They are three special movies. They are. They are. You know what? I, this one we, we love Mad Max, but I try to look at it, and that's why I wanted to to watch it with the dub because I wanted it to sort of feel like what it must have felt like for the Americans to watch the film. Because I think we love it so much because it was such a part of our childhood, and we saw it so much. And it's it's such a broad ochre accent that we we just really gel, I guess, with the characters that are in there. But 
for an international audience, I think it would have been hard to digest. So I can see how that if because if, if you look at critics' ratings, people they cannot help themselves and froth out on the Road Warrior. That's just a, a classic piece of cinema that, that's Mad Max too for anyone that wasn't aware. Uh, Thunderdome doesn't get as much respect, but is also no. revered. And then Fury Road has, has come along and, and, and blown everything away. But Mad Max is kind of forgotten. And even when I sometimes cheat a little and get on and see if anyone else has done a podcast on Mad Max, and there just wasn't anything about this. So it's a film that's, a, a, I guess, for people that love the franchise, don't always dive deep into this particular film. So it's, it's interesting as to how an international audience would rate the films. I, I think you would find that this one wouldn't um, wouldn't wouldn't be at the top of, of well, it's obvious. well the IMDb IMDb rating says enough at six point eight. It's it's far too low for the, as good a movie as it is. Exactly so for the whole like what are, what other trilogies? Oh well, you could you could sort of say Star Wars. Yeah. you could say you could throw. Mel's Lethal Weapons in there. Aliens. Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, first two. The third one's yeah. NAF. It's not really a trilogy. But, it, then, yeah. but it, it seems that with trilogies, there's always one outlier, usually in the trilogy. Uh, and, you know, so if you took Thunderdome out and slipped Fury Road in there, it's a real strong trilogy. American Pie. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's Batman. So I think that trilogy was very good. Super, yeah. super strong. Yeah, That's very probably good. my last real bite of the superhero cherry before it, it turned into NAF City. So, I I, th- I don't think you give them uh, the MCU enough credit, Dan. I think Marvel, the original Phase One, Phase Two, Phase Three of Marvel is something pretty special. What they did, and some of them would be worth watching. Definitely, oh, you, you just can't mine that many films from the the the, the one story embryo like it's it's too far too much they're just yeah, they're I, too same same and i just get the characters the same same and no I'm, I'm sorry but i think if they'd done the ricky gervais method and done yeah. just a, a few films i think they would be revered but no they've just completely overdone it this this new wakanda forever is getting really good reviews again and i enjoyed black panther i thought that yeah. was um that was good and this this one's getting i think there's a Quite a lot of um, a lot of nostalgia is not the right word, but a lot of love for Bozeman, the, the yeah, Chadwick. Chadwick, Chadwick Bozeman that that that, uh, that passed away. But yeah, that's I mean that, that's but how how many times can you mine from from that same story? Yeah. Embryo? I, just, I, 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 just don't, I don't I understand what you're saying, but Infinity War and Endgame are fucking next level good. Yeah, they, they are. are so how they managed to tie that together. And have it end where it did. And if there was never another Marvel movie made, that would be fine yeah. for it to end there. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're, they're tr- they're, the, the stuff after that has not been good, apart from the spot, the, the latest Spider-Man, yeah. which is exceptional. But the rest See, of them it, are not very yeah. good. And it's really hard to con- compare across those generations too with yeah, the way they make the movies now as compared yeah. to what they had there. I mean, yeah. you're talking about a movie with a $350,000 budget. Yeah, you know, like, yeah for sure. But those, but, not, not one of those films would be in my top 100 of films that I would recommend to anyone. So I, yeah, I just don't fair know. Enough. They're just, they're just uh, anyway. That's, yeah, that's okay, opinion, question. It, it carries a lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. Question three. What do you choose? Ankle or chain? Oh. You know, I you know I watched it. I watched it on the plane on the way back, and it was quite it's quite funny because he says you got ten minutes to get through the high tensile steel, yeah. and you probably got five minutes to get through your ankle, and then he turns around and goes to the road. And it's like a minute. Yeah, he's limpy. He's limpy, Mel. That's, yeah, that's it. some yeah. time that's gone. But what do you choose? 
Well, Johnny the boy, he was uh, he, he was never getting out of that situation. But yeah, I, no. I think that's that's your end of days right there. There's no not many people on earth that are cutting through their ankle. Well, he definitely isn't. He's shown that he's not going to cut his ankle. Oh, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way he's ever going to do that. What a great, like seriously, what a great into a movie. Just the ultimate revenge. Just yep. so if you the hacks on the side of the road, choice. yeah. If you think about the first Saw movie, which it's probably the only Saw movie yeah. I've seen, but uh, James Yarn, Lee One L, they, yeah. they basically stole that uh, that that premise for that the um, the, the the setup for Saw, where they're both chained in with the uh, in, in with the murderer, and they have to either go through the through the chain or, or through their ankles. So they they openly love that particular scene and uh, and use it to kickstart a, a massive horror franchise. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely uh, definitely been utilized well. Okay, well, it's time to move into the categories. So the good, the bad, the ugly, where we talk about the things that we loved about the movie, the stuff that we thought was bad about the movie, and the downright ugly. Well, we're going to start with the uh, with number two today, Gow. And uh, what do you got for good, bud? For good, I've got I've got a couple of things down here. I've got the music. Love the score at the start. Just yeah. that jerky. You know, orchestra kind of music. It really sets the scene for the movie. It's it, it gives you it gives you a climactic. You know, you know something's going to happen. You know something's coming with the movie. And also, more maybe Morgs talk a bit more about this is the car scenes when they when they're chasing and they speed up. You know, they speed yeah. up that uh, that vision. Yeah, the cars racing. I really love that. It, it, I remember as a kid watching that. It just to me added to that quality because it looks like they're really coming for them. You know, like really adds the speed of it all. Yeah, I th- Didn't a really, the- really good point. Just to nerd out for a second on, on that. So we're talking about 1979 here. So that there weren't GoPros. There weren't the way that George Miller was able to design these action shots were, was just completely new to to film at yeah. the cinema and, and led the way for car chase sequences uh, for, for still to this day. So if you think just small shots, like you think about Goose when he takes off from um, after he takes down the singer in the bar and then he rides off to <laughs> his like, – there's, there's a cameraman sitting on the back with an old school camera and the guy's doing 180 clicks. Like it's not yeah. – they couldn't CGI the, the speedo. Like yeah. they are they – are, and, and then the, the use of – so there's, it's an anamorphic lens that they use in widescreen to um, – to, to shoot a lot of the chase scenes, and it's why they look so beautiful. But they yeah, also can I, had, yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate. You go. Yeah, I just just interrupt you there on that. Do you know? I, I was watching a thing today this afternoon on it. Those lenses were used by Sam Peckinpah in the movie The Getaway. Yep, and right? he trashed he trashed them in the making of the movie, and so they were sent to Australia to live out their lives the end of their lives, these lenses. So George Miller got them because they cost fuck all and only one of them worked and it was the wide lens, anamorphic lens. It was a very specific special lens. And so they, everyone's going, what an amazing decision you made by shooting it this way. And he's like, it's the only fucking lens we had. It's, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just such it's a incredible. unique way to, to shoot a car chase. And, and a little bit about an anamorphic lens is that essentially it cuts off the uh, the, the horizontal space and, and keeps the vertical space so that it, it, it stretches the, um, the the image essentially. It just makes it really wide and beautiful. And it's, it's just wide. And even Karen, Quentin Tarantino has a froth out about this in, in the docker that I always sprout on about. But it's just such an incredibly beautiful way to shoot these cars. But they weren't doing it in slow-mo and then speeding up a lot of the time. Like they literally had constructed these cameras to be, you know, five, six inches off the mm. ground. And it just was groundbreaking what they did with it. So definitely. And some of those, and some of those 
you know, some of the some of the uh, you know crashes in that movie are just all time too. You know, some of the cleanups. Well, the 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 first crash with the Night Rider. Yeah. So they actually strapped a rocket to the back of that car. Oh, did and they? Then, and then actually had dummies in the car and fired this fucking rocket at that crash. So they set up the the truck and the other cars, and it was a, and the first take, the car missed and just went sailing yeah, past. So they, they had to reset and go again, right? And this was just. Never done before, well, and there was nothing. Was, there was no engine in in the blue car that came out, right? Yeah. So yeah, and that just made it take off even more. Yeah. Like it just ripped Spin. it apart, right? Because yeah. there's no weight in it. So that just made it even more spectacular crash. Yeah. It just some of the stuff they did, I think you know. Well, it was full just, on. It was like, what have we got? Just here? How came can off we do them. it? Yeah. How yeah. can we do it? Just came off. Yeah. Well, there's that. There's that, uh, and I'm sure we might get to listen to this. But I'm going to spoil it now. There's the the urban legend that the van was. Uh, George Miller's van yes, yeah, that they yeah. smashed, but it wasn't. It was it was one they had on set. Yeah. But one thing is the caravan that the MFP car dro- smashes through. That was the ca- that was the makeup caravan. So it got to the end of the shoot, and they need we didn't we need a van to smash through. So they well fuck we don't need any more makeup. Mm. Let's just roll the van out on the freaking road and just run through yeah. it like yeah, just yeah. shit like that, right? Yeah, well, they didn't have a lot of licenses for a lot of this stuff too. Mate, it was all so they had to go. Yeah. They had to go and get it done really quick. Yeah, because they had to like, get off the road. It was pure gorilla. Yeah, it was pure yeah. gorilla. Yeah. Anything else, Gal? No, that's it. Morgs, what do you got? Oh, uh, look, I I don't know where to start with good on this film. I mean, just the whole mythology of how it was done and how George Miller and Byron Kennedy came together. I mean, George Miller was an emergency doctor and met Byron Kennedy, uh, Kennedy, and they went off and did a film, film school course together. And essentially, just uh, the, the, none of the studios and none of the filming bodies wanted to give them any cash for this at all. So they, they raised three hundred and fifty grand amongst themselves and friends, and it just meant they didn't have to answer to anyone. But George Miller, they, they'd done one short film previous to this. And it was uh, it was quite well received, but they they made this all up on the go. Essentially, they hired a screenwriter who was a journo, uh, James McClausland, who just loved film. He basically like sat around like the three of us do and just talking film quotes with George Miller. And he was like, "Well, you're a journalist, and I, I read somewhere that journalists make great screenwriters. So how about you write the script?" And that was literally how how it came together. But it's uh, I, I just think I, I just love how it was shot on the cheap. I love how they they were paying. The, the stunt guys in beer and and the bikies were actual bikies. A lot of them that came along, like it just yeah. sounds like an absolute gonzo film well, set. Those bikies and, um, they had to drive. They had to drive down. They, on the set. Down. they had to ride down because they because well, they couldn't couldn't bring they them could, in. They couldn't, they couldn't afford to ship them down. But it was the, it was the first essential boot camp because they said to the bikies, ride down and become a gang. Yeah. So ride down as a bikey gang, and that was their boot camp. All they needed was Lieutenant Dale Die as the head bikey, taking them through the steps, and it would have been exactly like Platoon yeah. or any of those war movies, except it was just ride down. We'll see you in Melbourne. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Get on, Crazy. get on the cans, and away you go. So yeah, yeah. Look, I, I did that. That's pretty. I mean, I, I did. That's what I love most about the film. That was just such a a breakout time for Australian cinema. It was a lot, a lot of Australian cinema at the time was um, a very period PC. You've got your break of Morant and your picnic and hanging rock and, and kind of, um, I guess more culturally relevant films, but then you had these absolutely sick genre flicks like this and, uh, and like a whole heap of other Australian films at the time, like Alvin purple and Turkey shoot and just some, and, <laughs> Sort of weird ass films that, that came out, and uh, there was yes. there was a lot of tax breaks for filmmakers yeah. at the time, and they just uh, they came in and the censorship laws changed so that they allowed a, mo- a lot more TNA on on film. So it was just literally car chases and gore and and cans 
on film with all these uh, th- these new filmmakers. It went on to do some great stuff like Russell Mulcahy and John Seale and George um, George Miller and, and, and so many incredible filmmakers that started off in this gonzo exploitation time for, for cinema. So I just think it would have been absolutely shit-hot fun to be making film back in that time. Oh, 100%. Look, and I think we missed, we skipped over George Miller. We didn't talk about him. This guy went on to freaking direct and write Happy Feet, right? Yeah. So talk about a guy that's diverse and can and can sort of move with the times. Like, that movie made a zillion dollars. Like, the guy is minted. The Witches of Eastwick, Lorenzo's yeah. Oil. Yeah. Babe. He won Best Director for Happy Feet. Yeah, babe. Uh, but he, 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 was a, he was a producer, The Cow, Breakout, Body Line, Aussie stuff, oh, Vietnam, Dead man. Calm, Bangkok Hilton. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the guy's a genius. And and yeah. Warren Kennedy passed away on a scouting mission for one of the films too. He was in a helicopter, and it, uh, he was out there checking out scene uh, location settings for one of the films, and and passed away. But they, the two of them were just incredible what they did for yeah. international cinema, not just in Australia. But yeah, uh, yeah I think that that they started out doing this whilst they had real jobs at the same time is yeah. is just amazing. But George Miller was going to direct Contact in 97. Right. But there were some creative differences. Yeah, so they, they wanted to get rid of him, so they, they, they replaced him with Robert Zemeckis. He dodged a bullet but, there. But to get him to step aside, they gave him the rights to Mad Max 2 and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. That was, that was the, yeah, uh, the deal. Yeah. So hence, hence Fury Road. Not, not a bad deal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, look, look, my good, and that most of it's been mentioned, but this is... This is low-budget guerrilla filmmaking at its best. Like, there is nothing that can compare to it in Australian film. It's next-level good. Um, I love the cars. I love all the cars. I, I'm a hold-on guy. But those those Fords are next-level. And the, the Knight Riders, the first of the V8 Interceptors, mm. which the Knight Rider steals, is actually a Holden Monaro. So it's the only Holden in the film. The rest of them are Fords. But the cars are amazing. The stunts, the fact that you know they're real, that urban legend about the guy that dies on the on the bridge on the bike with the yeah. bike hits him in the Bikes head. in the back of the head, yeah. Yeah, like it's there's so many good things. But probably my favorite thing, and Morgan's has already mentioned it, is the the stuntman on the back of Goose's bike just blows me away. Every time I watch it, I'm like, that fucker is going 170 yeah. kilometers an hour, and there's a guy on the back, right? And it's this is real. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's 1979 for you. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Well, um, yeah, quality film. Uh Morgs, what about bad? You got anything for bad? What about when at the start when Mel goes uh, with Jesse and they go and have a beer at the pub? He is drinking the world's smallest beer. It looks like it's a thimble, and it was just so un-Australian. I've never seen anything worse than that, and that was just horrific. So I don't know what they were thinking, but it's not even a pot. It's like a seven seven ounce of uh, of beer, and it, yeah, just disgusting. <laughs> well done. I'll tell that's, you what, for me, one, one, of them, one of them was, and, and watching, you know, bring me back to being a kid, was when, when he goes to visit Goose in hospital and the charred hand slips oh, out of the bed. Oh, God. And it just freaks me out, right? And then they don't show anything else in that, but they do that slow motion of Mel's face. Yeah. That, that real funny cinematography, but it just gives you, you know, you just get everything you need out of that. That's not it's the Goose um, in there. Yeah. I don't know what that thing yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's my bad. Yeah. I've, uh, uh, look, I've got some questions about the gang. Right. Is there is there a more homoerotic bikey gang ever? And what the fuck do they do? Like bikey gangs nowadays are, you know, what they do. They're a business, right? I don't know what they do. Is it like they're they're the baseball gang in the Warriors? Well, this what, is but this is what they? 
this is what bikers used to do before they got into all of that. They used to go and ride, yeah. and they and then they, you know, and they, but they used to have to go and do and do their rides and do and had to go each time and the, all part of that gang. Now yeah. it's now it's more about business. Yeah, for yeah, sure, okay. more business. All right, uh, all right, and, and what about the, the fact that this had to be dubbed into American to be released? I find is is bad. Uh, and actually, it wasn't until the 2002 special edition release that Americans got to hear the original voices. In well, the movie. I don't know what they would have done with. You better send the meat truck. Charlie's got the saucer in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 no. The American dub is the same words. Oh, is it? It's exact. It's it is word for word. Oh, it's, is it? They haven't changed the words. It's just American accents. Right. So it's not like they've gone. You know, he's copped a uh, pot in the throat. It's uh, it's the same. They just stuff. changed the yeah, accent. Yeah. Oh. So, and I'm sure when one of them comes up, the quote that I'm, I hope that you're going to say. That's an American accent, and it does not work as well as what it is said by the person. Anyway, oh, let's we'll get to that. I know, but uh, also, uh, what I thought was bad is the singer licking her lips. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was like, there is That's no selfish. fucking need for that. There is no need for that. It was awful. Anyway. Here's just one bad one that when they when they get caught at the farm and she's coming back from the beach and they're all chasing around there, and then they locked it. You know, May locks them all into the shed. And then, you know, Jesse drives off down the road, which is another thing. I don't know why she did that. But yeah. anyway, they, her and May go screaming through, and they go through the locked gate. And then the guys jump on their bikes and chase them down. But their bikes were somehow on the land. How did they get them on there without them hearing them or knowing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was just, it's a bit of a plot hole in that well, one. They were, in, they were in the gar- they were in that garage or shed. They wheeled them in. Yeah. Like, yeah. So was, how did they get there without anyone knowing? Because Max was around the whole time. She went down to the beach, but Max was up around there. Yeah, the whole time. So anyway, so what I what I don't get, what I just one thing on that is that so she goes when he when he goes to see the uh, guy to get the tire fixed, mm. and she goes, I'm going to take Sprog, which we need to talk about as well, yeah. like having your son nicknamed after fucking cum. Anyway, they go down the beach. I'm going to get you an ice cream. So she goes down. The gang's there. She knees um, toe cutter in the balls, puts the ice cream in her face, goes back, and says to get in the car, get in the car. Don't you get in the car and, and Max would say, I would think, hey, darling, what happened? There's a biker gang that tried to rape me. We need to leave. And it's like it's just resume holidays as normal. You know what I mean? Like, just go the other way, mate. Yeah. Like, I know our mate wants something back, but just – and that, that happens after that. Yeah. Like, end it, mate. Well, go back to where there's police. Go. But how, how they – yeah. How they actually found them because they didn't know which way they were going. Well, this is they it. Didn't, they didn't chase them. So how did they find them out? It's They've like Anarchy, driven... Anarchy Road's the only road yeah, yeah, in yeah, Australia. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you got anything for ugly? Well, this is going to turn the... But the ugly for me is when she, when the, her and the kid get run down. I mean, that's pretty Full brutal. On. And I remember watching it. It's pretty brutal. You don't see that in many movies, that Full being on. a catalyst. But why did she run down the middle of the road? I was thinking exactly the same thing. Like you at least wouldn't you take off for the for the right? Well, one I don't know why she left in the car, knowing that Max is running around with a gun somewhere yep. on the property. Yeah. But then she took off in the car and raced down, went straight down the road, and then ran, kept running down the middle of the road. Yeah. Don't know why. Can't answer it. Yeah. And shoot him. The old bird just should have shot one of them. Yeah. Well, she tried. Well, the did she though? Blast, the gun blasted yeah. out of control. Yeah. Morgs, you got anything for ugly? Ah, it's, it's it's very very picky, but just that whole Max and and Jesse on holidays, it's a bit slow. It uh, I, I understand yeah. it's a plot device. We've got to get them out. 
so that we get those horrific uh, parts where she gets run down and, and Sprog dies and, and the like. But on on the revisit this week, I, I was just like, oh, God, if, the, if this was a movie these days, you just wouldn't have that much of a dip in the action. So it, yeah. uh, it, it, it's a little weird too. So Max is obviously the um, the, the star of the, the flick. But if, if you think about it, it really goes to Goose's point of view for a, a good chunk of the of the movie so halfway through and, and max doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of scenes nor a lot of dialogue in it so it's interesting that it changes perspective which is unusual in in this type of movie but i think that probably if that if that they were revisit with a 2022 script editor on on board then they probably would have come gone about the script a bit differently but i think because the rest of the action sequences and everything are just so incredible that uh, it, it's something you can forgive. But uh, yeah, definitely that that whole holiday scene with the whole holiday s- section was something that it, it, it did. It, my, my attention lapsed for sure. Yeah. Do you, Do you think it's um? Do you think that device is because they want to have some skin in the game by the audience? We want us to invest in Goose. So they, they make him a focal point so that when he dies, we're like, well, fuck, Max has got to avenge him. So the the, the revenge sort of starts from there, right? Well, Max still tries to get out of it. Then he, he does says, try no, to done. get out, I'm done, yeah. And then yeah, and that was odd as well. Fifi wouldn't. Well, he'd already, yeah. but at the start, you know, he said that. He said, I, don't, I want to get out of yeah, it. Yeah. And then they said, no, no, no. And that's why they got him with the new car. Remember, they go in yeah, and yeah. get in the new car. That we'll was, give that them was... back their heroes, Max. Yeah. But before that, when they showed him the new car, the Interceptor, that's that's why they were trying. They even said that they cut to Fifi, and he's like, "Yeah, that's yeah. how we'll keep him, right?" Okay, all right. I got one ugly, and it's not anything really to do with the film. It's just to do with the circumstances. The red stained ass of the hot rod driver oh, as he's running. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, that as was he's running through the field. That is was awful. Shocking. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, you know exactly what has happened, yeah. and then when you see the girl, she, the inner of her thighs is red as well, yeah. and it is just so obvious that there's been a train run through the both of them. Yeah, and no wonder he's running off, right? He's he's, and that's what I mean. Like for the, for that for those times, that was what, pretty it's brutal, heavy, right? It's, like, it's heavy today. Yeah, like yeah. every that's time I, mean. I see that, I'm like, oh my god. And seeing oh those scenes god. when you're young, you're just like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's frightening. It's and even even when she they come to her and she's leashed up, yeah. And you, there's that it's so ominous. You think that something's going to happen as they're sort of reeling her in. Yeah, it's brutal. And it's the same in in Mad Max too. Remember, there's the whole scene where where they grab the girl and they rape her, and then he shoots her with the with the little cross arrows yeah. as well. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah, it is. It mm. is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, there, there we go. I think that's that's pretty good for the for the categories. We're going to move into listen to this, where we tell you a little bit about some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, we'll start with you, Gail. What do you got? Well, Morg's already punched my good one out of here, but <laughs> no. um, oh, no. that was that most of the extras using the film were paid in beer. Yeah, and it's obvious too. Something that Morgs has done through his career as well, you know, he really took that on, that yeah. early learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, one one here is that Johnny the Boy, you know, Tim Tim Burns that played Johnny the Boy got so much into character that he was annoying everyone on the set to the point where they left him handcuffed to the wreck one day. Yeah. When they all went to lunch, he's a shit character. Yeah, he's 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 so hated. But that's why he's a good character. Yeah, right? no, exactly. He's got to evoke an emotion for sure. But because no one likes him on one side, and the other guys don't really like him yeah, either. Yeah, and he's tolerated. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, G Man? Uh, the other one was a lot of the stunt driving in the movie was illegal and done very quickly. Like we we already yeah. talked about that. So now I'll, I'll bounce through. Yeah. Morgs might have some more. Yeah, you got uh, Morgs. You got anything? Just uh, we've we've really touched on the stunts, but the actual stunt men in the film, led by the uh, incredible Grant Page, 
was it was just amazing yeah. what they were getting up to. I mean, these guys were just cuckoo, absolute cowboys. Grant Page actually broke his leg when he did the stunt in the MFP car going through the caravan, and but that didn't deter him from doing more stunts on the film. Like they were just absolutely nuts, these guys, and all of the motorbike stunts where they were dr- jumping off the bridges. And there's safety just wasn't a thing. There wasn't a safety officer on set. They didn't get permits. They just literally went for it. And I think it was the, the stunt guys were a, a real huge part of the film and have continued to be a huge part of all of George Miller's action films, especially when you think about Mad Max Fury Road. And I, I really enjoyed the first use of the um, of the pole vault when they, they pole vault onto the top of the yeah. petrol truck. And then obviously that comes back in a huge way in, in Fury Road when you have all of his uh, acolytes yeah. uh, swinging onto that. Just some incredible vision for these ridiculous stunts that were, were workshopped uh, on, on the fly with these guys. They weren't written into the script. It was, okay, what can we do here that's fucking sick? And, uh, and Grant Page and his boys would, would get in and, and just make it really cool. So, yeah, I, I think the fact that this guy could break his leg and, and that didn't stop him coming to work the next day was uh, was just pretty awesome. And Grant Page is just revered in Australian cinema for what he was able to do in multiple films like that. Just, uh, just an incredible, incredible stuntman. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've got uh, the – obviously the budget was super tight, so all the cars were decommissioned police cars. And the Goose was the only guy – that had real leathers. Everyone else was in vinyl. Yep. Because that's all they could afford. They could afford one suit. Mate, they couldn't even afford Fifi's shirt at one stage for one scene. <laughs> they couldn't. He just, he just had scarf. to get the scarf on. He just had to get the scarf. Uh, and look, all the bikes were donated by Kawasaki. They were all late model uh, yeah. demonstrators. So all the, and most of the bikers kept, kept the them. bikes yeah. at the end, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So we were talking earlier that, that Max, uh, well, Mel Gibson got paid $10,000 to star in this film. The Interceptor cost $35,000 to make. So three and a, yeah. three times plus the the, the price of uh, Mel Gibson. Well, but I mean, as he's he he star, awesome. star of the show. That, he's no, like coming awesome. out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. that, that launched his career. Yeah. yeah. So and look, you know, we've been through a couple of this, but look, the, the, if you want to hear, there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube behind the scenes, uh, Mad Max stuff. I'm actually going to put a a link in the show notes. So have a watch of that, which is the the stunt that I talked about earlier, which was the rocket at the start with the Knight Rider. It's, it's an amazing little doco, an interview with Steve Bisley and also an interview with George Miller. So have a, have a watch that. It'll be in the show notes. Um, okay, so we've done One Degree, which we know as Mel, for um, Tequila Sunrise. And uh, Quotables, Gal, uh, you got anything in Quotables? I do. Here's my favourite one, and it's early in the movie. Oh, I hope it's what I think yeah. it's going to be. And it's when, it's when Goose is... It's exactly that, what it is! They're in that first chase. And he and you know he comes flying in on the bike, and and he gets taken out. He slides in up to the car and hits the car, and he's lying there with his bike, his leg wrapped under my bike. The guy goes, "What happened?" He goes, "I don't know. I just got in myself." <laughs> I thought that was great. That that is a good one. That is a good one. Okay, and I got another goose one, yep. which is a very close second to that one which is when the guy with the red ass is running through the field, and him and Max turn up in the car, and he's like. Hey, fella. Hey, fella. And he's like, he turns to Max and goes, what a turkey. And he goes, hey, fella, you're a turkey. <laughs> and I listened, I watched that on the American dub, and it is dreadful. Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. it's, it's, hey, fella, you're a turkey. <laughs> oh, I like it. Hey, Midge, don't ride up the goose until you see the box going into the hole. Yeah, he's good. He's so good. There's a lot of good... Yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of good. Obviously, the, the chain in those handcuffs is high tensile steel. Yeah, it'll take you ten minutes to hack through it with this. Now, if you're lucky, you could hack through your ankle in five minutes. Go. Like it's there's a lot of really good like passages in this film. Yeah, yeah. there is definitely is. Yeah. I think Goose gets a lot of those good lines because they're making that character larger than life. You know, yeah. I also I also for the inevitable lo- takedown. I also love when they turn up to the station and uh, Bubba Zanetti says, we're here to meet a friend coming on the train. The station master says, nothing coming on the train except a couple of crates and a coffin. Yeah. Our friend. So good. It's so creepy. And then, and then I love, and then when, when Jessie's in the hospital, and you know, I've only just noticed the last few times that she's missing an arm. Well, she's fully missing an arm and half a leg. There's a fan theory about that. So I don't know if you guys have come across it, but the because the the the, the time space is out a bit out of whack with Fury Road and it being Max, the original Max Rokotansky. So there's there's a, a fan theory which George Miller has disproved but loves it, that Furiosa is actually Jesse. And because she doesn't have an arm, Furiosa doesn't have an arm, and so well, she becomes is only missing half an arm, and and Jesse's missing a whole fucking yeah, arm. Yeah, so it's a pretty weak fan theory, but no, it, it's like interesting. It. It's but, good, but the um the other fan theory is that Max in Fury Road is actually the feral kid from Road Warrior. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah which, which is really interesting as well. So, and, and George Miller has openly said that he doesn't. Whilst they're related films, he feels no uh, absolute need to to make the continuity and make the characters. Yeah, to uh, continue. Continue. No, yeah. not at all. They're just these. Uh, the mythology is similar, but he uh, he's quite happy yeah. to, to mess around with time structure and whatever he needs to do, which I think is awesome. So, so my last one is is on that scene when Jesse's in the hospital and the two doctors in there, and one doctor says to the other. What do you reckon? And the other doctor says, I'm a doctor, not a fortune yeah. teller. And then it pans to him just and, outside and the, door. Oh, on the yeah. door. That's like, brutal. Fuck. Brutal. Yeah. Okay. Look, there's there's a hundred. Mm. Like, there's a whole night, night run monologue I've got there. Look, watch the movie. It's yeah. eminently quotable. And we've, we've missed one. We've missed one. My friend Kundalini would like his hand back. <laughs> yes. Gets Which used is probably a lot. the best one. Gets used a we lot. We have used that a lot. Okay. Good quotes. Moving on. Film school for F-Wits. And Dan is back. Take it away. Yes, fellow F-Wits. Sorry I've been uh, out of action the last couple of weeks dealing with this ridiculous uh, DVT, but loved revisiting Mad Max and and big bad Mel Gibson and looking at Mel on screen. It it made me sad that we didn't get to see more of Melody's Peak and he did have that, uh, that fall off the cliff as far as uh, get the gringo and, and, and going downhill from basically the reputational damage he did by being a bit of a fuckwit in his private life. So I thought we'd look at the the top five actors, similar to Mel and including Mel, that were cancelled essentially. And cancelled is a bit of a 2021, 2022 word, but it wasn't around at the time for a lot of these people. But it, it essentially just meant that Hollywood, the Hollywood system, for whatever reason, just decided that it wasn't going to be good business to use these actors in their films anymore. So we'll pause on Mel for a second. But in, in no particular order, um, one, that, one that's been really topical recently is Kevin Spacey. So Kevin's popped up in a couple of films that we've done and we loved him in Seven and just thought he was incredible. 
and as an actor, I think it's um, it, it would certainly be hard to argue that he's he's one of the most incredible actors of of uh, our lifetimes for sure, and, and definitely of um, of of the twenty uh, 21st century into the noughties. Uh, but obviously, he was accused of uh, some pretty heinous crimes with uh, with with having wandering hands with a lot of the dudes on his set, and subsequently was that uh, they had to can at the cost of multiple bazillions of dollars, the final series of House of Cards on Netflix, which was just a juggernaut, but was rushed and, and handled pretty poorly in the end because they had to remove him. He basically just died during the uh, the show's hiatus as far as the, the writers would have you believe. But we, we really lost the ability to, um, to enjoy a, a magnificent actor in his prime. Now, he's since been found not guilty in at least one of his high-profile uh, civil cases uh, against Anthony Rapp, who accused him of some unauthorised tampering back in the day. So it be interesting to see how Hollywood reacts to that. So th- there's a whole a lot of other accusations. There's a heap, of, there's yeah, a heap of, of other accusations. And that's the thing. And unfortunately, because of all the accusations, he's uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. He's been tainted by it. So what's to say that he doesn't come out the other end and, and they're all disproven and, and we get to go back to enjoying um, Kevin Spacey and, and some of his incredible roles like American Beauty and what he was able to do in um, in, in pretty much every role that, that, that you've seen him in. He sort of didn't have a dud, a, a dud effort. So, yeah, Kevin Spacey unfortunately cancelled at the moment but might have a chance to come back. Uh, a bit of a comical one was Winona Ryder. So the, uh, the, the, the starlet... <laughs> From uh, from the Gen X uh, the Gen X films that we just loved and um, and and grew up loving was that uh, was unfortunately cancelled herself a few years back when she was caught shoplifting and just uh, went on a bit of a uh, a drug possession uh, ring so certainly doing nothing that we would frown on if uh, we saw her out in uh, out the middle of the cross on a Friday night enjoying herself but unfortunately can you believe can you believe that happened yeah. I mean I no, she, was, she was lucky that she was so young but she was really young when that happened that was probably it, it Probably was, left Irving King, but far out. She made it back. Me, it yeah, reminded that's me. What I, mean, yeah. I watched. I watched King Richard for the first time the other night, and it, I don't know if you've seen the film. Will Smith's in it. Yeah, and yep. uh, he. It actually it just coincidentally it, it features a an actor playing Jennifer Capriati because she was around about at the same time, and it just yep. got me to thinking back that she was also. Not cancelled, but but caught shoplifting when she she was a bazillionaire tennis star, and so it's obviously very very weird yeah. to us she had, some, she had some she had some blowout at an early age because of all the pressure, drug issues. She got on the piss and drugs and stuff. That's it. Yeah. So she was. I mean, obviously completely different. But yeah, Winona Ryder has since been able to climb away from that cancel and and has starred in in the last four seasons of of Stranger Things, where she is excellent. So uh, yeah, it definitely. Definitely uh, proves that it is possible to to get out of the cancel if uh, if you need to. Um, another one we spoke about earlier on the on the pod was uh, was Robert Downey Jr., who obviously went into quite the uh, the, the the downfall spiral with with major drug issues back in the day, and actually ended up in prison for a variety of drug charges. And and for a lesser actor and talent, I think that would probably spell the end of uh, of a career. But he was able to to climb back, and and he did. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with uh, with another favourite. That was the Val, one. Val was the yeah, one. Val Kilmer. He actually was. Uh, it, it had just come out of prison when he'd done that, and uh, the producers took a took a um, a real leap of faith to cast him, and he was excellent. And that's a, that's an underrated film that I. I that's really a great enjoyed. movie. It's a great yeah, movie. worth a really really look, Fwitz, if, uh, if 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 you're looking for something to watch. But obviously, then was uh, was reborn. 
Bourne as Tony Stark in the Iron Man films. And I know I, I'm uh, proudly anti-Marvel films, but that first Iron Man <laughs> film was was definitely entertaining. And I think that yeah. his character has been quite quite a bright spot in um, in otherwise pretty drab films throughout that franchise. But but he. I, Obviously, he's way too talented for uh, yeah. for that particular uh, terrific, terrific actor. Yeah, terrific actor. So again, was able to uh, was able to transcend that cancellation. But a more recent one that's going to be interesting watching from the sidelines is Will Smith, who obviously just blew a fucking gasket at the Oscars. And uh, if you read a bit more about him, it sounds like he's he's they've had a really weird marriage. Him yep. and Jada Pinkett Smith, and, and he um, just seems to be seriously pussy whipped. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's it's. I'm gonna tread it carefully how you describe him, but what from what I've read, yeah, it seems like she's quite controlling in that relationship, and unfortunately, yeah. it uh, it all reared itself on that particular Oscar. But, uh, do you know but, the worst thing? You know the worst thing. Sorry, with that to me was that not the fact that. Well, yeah, it was really bad that he did it. Sorry, that's wrong. But it was really bad that he did it. But then he was out dancing and laughing afterwards, yeah, you know, no, as though no, nothing happened, which really didn't make it – well, it made it worse. Made yeah, it much worse. Absolutely. And and he stands six foot two and is quite a big unit. And Chris Rock's four yeah. foot eight. And, uh, yeah, so de- definitely – With his hands behind his back. With his hands behind his back. Didn't, yeah. in, didn't enhance Will Smith's tough guy credentials by beating on no. poor old Chris Rock and actually was able to revitalise Chris Rock's career on the back of that. But, yeah, I, mm. I this one will be interesting. I don't think Will Smith comes back from this. Like, I don't – whilst he, he's a, a, a revered actor and won the Academy Award for King Richard – I just can't see how you come back from that in the, in this day and age. Like it might be a slow trickle at the back end of his career when he gets a bit on and, and people start to forget. But yeah, what a dickhead! Like it just absolutely yeah. unnecessary. I'll tell you what, I've loved I've loved Will Smith since Bad Boys or since Fresh Prince, really. Yeah. But uh, you know, and he's been awesome in a lot of movies. But uh, you know, there's not a lot of want to watch. I watched King Richard just because I had Great some movie. time to, yeah, and, I, really, and I'd heard- I really enjoyed but- that. No, I watched it recently, and look at. Yeah. Absolutely a talent. I think in the biopics he's done, like Ali, he, he was great. And mm. I, I think he improved over the years as an actor too. You'd, there's very famous footage of him in, in the first few episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where you can see him repeating the lines of the actor that he's playing across from as he's, he's trying yeah. to get his timing. So he obviously started out as a complete novice but became um, Hollywood royalty as an actor. But, yeah. Oh, he's Darren, super talented. I mean, he's, he's a triple threat, right? He can He can sing. Carried on like Those a music complete, and complete and yeah. yeah, my my kids love Aladdin, and uh, I, I think it it's a it's a real shame that he's uh, he's ended up down this path. I, I reckon he, I reckon he comes back. Okay, no, it'd be I reckon, I reckon it's going to have to be. It's going to take a while. I would yeah, think. yeah, I, I think, he and comes it's going to be something good that brings him back. You know what? Like, I think people will go, "Yep, you were a dickhead. Yep, you slapped Chris Rock." But at the end of the day, he slapped Chris Rock. He didn't pet anyone. He didn't touch anyone inappropriately. He's not me too. It's nothing. But there's always that, all that weird I, stuff in the background too. Yeah, so, I, agree, you know. I agree. I I think he comes back. I think it's going to take some time. I don't think mm. it's going to happen tomorrow or this year or next year. I I reckon he's back. We'll see. Yeah. No, we'll watch this space. Yeah, good. To, I mean, yep. there's certainly no denying that he's he's brought some brilliant performances to film over the years. So it would be good to see him come back. But finally, uh, obviously, doing Mad Max. Couldn't bypass Mel Gibson, who just had a horrific run of of being caught out by partners <laughs> and just bit and sprung on tape. Mel, you don't want to you don't want to say these things into into your phone. Oh Mel, like, oh Mel, oh Mel, and I'm just really going to enjoy the feedback on old Mel through the week. And yeah, I, 
I don't know. So Mel Gibson, he's starting to dabble a bit now where he comes back. Jodie Foster cast him in The Beaver, which was a bit of a flop, but it was it was apparently quite a good script, but just didn't translate to a good film, a which, which Jodie Foster oh, yeah. helmed. Yeah, apparently it was on the page. It read quite well. I haven't read the script, but that's uh, that that was the, the goss around town. But, yeah, I don't know, Mel. He, he does uh, cameos in the likes of The Expendables Gow. That's a cameo. Where he's uh, he's sort of trading on his his old fame and infamy, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I think we we've lost a, an amazing talent as a director and a producer and a, and a storyteller and, a, and an actor just because of his uh, his pretty repugnant views that he expresses well, he's, at very he's, much looking, the wrong time. No doubt that his views are repugnant, but he was an alcoholic. Like, yeah. get off the piss, Mel. Get off the piss. Mad. Yeah, so anyway, that's uh, that, that's five people that have been cancelled. Any, anyone else you guys can think of that, that springs to mind that has, uh, has, has kind of crashed and burned and hasn't been able to make it back? I don't know. You've hit some really good ones there. There's there's some top-notch ones there. The only other one sure. that I, I thought was interesting was Arnie. So Arnie obviously got sprung uh, <laughs> sprung with it, with a, a, a bit of six-foot-three evidence in the form of a son <laughs> that came out of his cleaner. <laughs> Uh, so, it, it, but he seems to have been able to transcend that no. as uh, in his governorship, and I, I guess he never going to hit the heights of uh, of the army that we love from the eighties. But it doesn't seem like he well, suffers from the same fate as uh, as many of these other actors. No, but he's well past his prime. I mean, what's he doing these days? The Expendables, a bit of that. Like he's not. Yeah, like know, he, he's, he's, so not, he, he, he's sort of done. He's all done. He was in the twilight, I'd say, of his career. But one thing we did miss is that Arnie was actually up for the role of Bubba Zanetti in this movie. <laughs> uh, um, and, and he just missed out. He was just a bit big for the bike. That was yeah. it. That's the only thing that held him back. Yeah, George Miller really wanted him. Yeah, he really yeah. wanted him, yeah, definitely. When I pop a guy and it feels like I'm calming. <laughs> no, well done, Dan. Another quality uh, film school for F-Wits. And look... Before we move into star of the show, we've had a couple of messages this week, and actually, I actually want to talk about. We haven't spoken about Johnny Bull for a while, and he sent a message to the team this week. Actually, he sent the message today, and it was about a little uh, recommendation that we had made last week. And there are people that have, I guess, given us a bit of a, a rough time about uh, doing a, doing the raid last week and doing a foreign film and doing a, a martial arts film. This is from Johnny Bill. Uh, Johnny this, Bill. This is from, yeah, it's his brother, Johnny Bull. Crew, tip of the year, definitely the raid two. Oh, definitely the raid. Two watches down and climbing up the list of Bully's favourites. Had to check my fucking pulse. It is hectic. Great call, F-Wits. F-Wit in training. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a good movie. Gal, right, if, you, if you haven't watched it, Gal, you need to watch it. It's a real Gal movie. Uh, Damo says this is right up Gow's alley. Okay, I'll yeah. I'll get onto it. I think you'll I'll like get onto it. it. I think you'll like it. He's, Look, on, the, um, he's on the pulse, Johnny Bull. I think that a lot of fellow F-wits could could take a leaf out of his book and give us a bit few more raps. So, yeah, he's uh, a good, yeah, good fellow, Johnny Bull. We, Wait, uh, we actually actually thinking that I got some. We did get some other um, input from from out there in our in our listeners. Yeah, yeah go for it. We had had a new one come in from a new listener called G Two Tunka. <laughs> yeah, it's come out and said. Uh, yeah, I saw he did a podcast last week with our gal on his stats while he was away on hiatus. It's not a criticism, just an observation. <laughs> it's not anyway, the same. Yeah. It is definitely thanks, not the same. Thanks, G2 Tonka. It is definitely not the same. Oh, <laughs> All right, star of the show. Gal, who's your MVP for Mad Max? It's Max. Okay. In yep. this movie. Uh, 
Look, I always love until his ladies. I love Mel Gibson as an actor, but he, yeah, he really knocks it out of the park. Yes, and me. Yep, love it. Good first up, Morgs. Uh, it's a it's a tie for me between George Miller and Byron Kennedy and the Australian film industry of the late seventies, early eighties. So I've, mm. I've, I've, I crap on about it, fellow efforts, but check out not quite Hollywood, the wild untold story of Ozploitation. It is just a brilliant view of all these crazy films, many of which you wouldn't have seen. But it these guys were just mavericks. They they did things on a shoestring. That I mean, George Miller has created an aesthetic. You think about how many post-apocalyptic uh, dystopian films have come since Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Where they, they invented that look, like it didn't. All those knobs at Burning Man, they're getting their uh, the bases of that look from the vision of these guys. Like it, it wasn't a thing before they came along, and I just think that they don't get enough credit for for what they've done for the film industry. And I think that the both of them and and just the, the absolute maverick. Uh, crazy Australian film industry of the time. It just looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm with you, Morgs. I'm going with uh, with the director, George Miller, as my star of the show. This movie doesn't happen without him. No, true. Uh, Mel Gibson is great. Steve Bisley is great. The, the whole movie is great. But he what, what he was able to achieve on the smell of an oily rag just really kick-started the Australian film industry for the next 50 years. It, this is... This is next level stuff. Uh, I lo- I love it. I think he was just immense, and he's gone on to do some other great stuff as well. Oh, mate, they're, they're all good in this. I mean, yeah. Mel Mel starts. We're just no, seeing we're seeing a star. We've seen a star. We're seeing born. a star, a star being born, born and yeah. and just coming through to hit his straps, and hasn't really got to his peak yet. But cannot disagree. You just know. You just know that. Uh, yep. He's going places. Yep, that cannot time. disagree. He he looks like he's going straight into the cancelled bin. I mean. <laughs> I picked that in 79. I said when I watched it with my dad when I was seven, that guy will be cancelled soon. Mate, this is cancelling thing going to go on. Yeah. And he's one of them. Yeah, this is it. All right, look, uh, final thoughts. What a movie holds up today, 40-odd years later. It is a quality film, Mad Max. If you haven't seen it, then I don't know what rock you've been hiding under. If you If you haven't, go and see it. Just find it. It's on streaming somewhere. I'm pretty sure it might actually be on Netflix, but don't hold me to that purple. Because uh, next last time I, you held me to it, you got quite angry at me. Let's move into the rank bank and let's see where uh, where Mad Max is going to sit in the pantheon of Born to Watch films. And we're going to start with you, Dan. And how many? And hang on, hang on now. We're not going to start with you because here's the choices tonight. Okay, so we've got hacksaws. We've got turkeys. We've got V8 interceptors. <laughs> We've got hands on a chain. We've got baby shoes. And we've got fuel-injected suicide machines. I think it's fuel-injected suicide machines. I was going to say V8 interceptors, <laughs> but you've, you've come in strong with the final one. Yeah. Let's go with fuel-injected suicide machines. Yeah, I would have said toe cutters is a good one, but that's, that's a good, good one. one. Fuel-injected suicide yeah, machines. I left fuel-injected suicide machines last because I knew we I knew we'd end up going with that one. Okay, so how many... We're going to start with you, Dan. How many fuel-injected suicide machines are you giving to Mad Max? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to start by saying get fucked, IMDb. Go home, you're drunk. 6.8 is is tripping balls. This is a four out of five uh, fuel-injected suicide machines every day of the week. Uh, amazing, amazing film. Bettered by 
I'd say Mad Max 2 will end up doing that on this at, at some stage, so it'd be good to compare and contrast. Okay. But it's fair to say that they just kicked off one of uh, one of cinema's greatest ever franchises and, and certainly am looking very much forward to when Furiosa comes out in the next couple of years. But, yeah, this is a four, four out of five for me. Well played, George Miller and co. Perfect. And Gao, how many fuel-injected suicide machines are you giving Mad Max? I'll give you a 4.25. Oh, I, I just it. have always loved this movie since I've been a kid. There's just something magical about it to me. And you can never get – I never get sick of watching this movie. I haven't watched it, you know, for quite a while now, but I, I can, it's always something you can put on and be happy to watch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree, I, yeah. I would have liked to watch it a lot more times <laughs> over the years, but you know, I got, uh, got denied. Well, we'd always watched it the week before that yeah, you wanted yeah, to watch apparently. it. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Do we talk about Overs and Unders? What, what did you set the bar? We're going to talk, talk about Over and Unders after we've done this. Um, I'm giving Mad Max 4.25 fuel-injected suicide machines. I think it is just quality. I love it. And I think it's – I'm with you, Morgs. How this gets 6.8 on IMDb is fucking beyond me. And the an American viewer should – hang their head in shame that they, they've rated it so low. But that then, and I'm just going to move this over so that Gao can see where we're at here as he does his part. Here we go. So we've got right below the guard. So we're coming in here at 4.17. Sorry, we're tied. We're tied with the guard. In ninth spot. In ninth spot at 4.17. Now, right above the Wolf of Wall Street at 4.08. That's going to be a touchy subject for some, maybe. Um, and right below Ghostbusters at 4.25. So into 10th or equal ninth spot. Yep, equal ninth. Mad Max, well done. Uh, 4.17 fuel-injected suicide machines. I think that's a, that's a worthy spot for it. Yep, I like that. Yeah, I think that sits well. It's a good it's a solid 10, spot. Top 10. Uh, how long it stays there for will remain to be well, seen. It's on the cusp. One yeah. more good movie and it's out. I think we would be remiss without mentioning the over and under for this movie. Now, this movie came out in 1979. Uh, I'm going to set the over and under very high. I'm going to say 50. Uh, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility here that, that we, we hit that mark. We'll start with you, Gao. Over and under 50 for Mad Max. It's so hard to, so hard to know, but it's going to be up. It's got to be right up there. I, I'd go with over 50. Yeah. I'd go with over 50 maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yep, Dan? Under 50, but lots. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm over 50 and substantially over 50. This is one of the movies that I would just put on in the background. Just You can just float in and out of, and you'll, you'll be doing something and you'll come back to it and it'll be something iconic. Uh, so I'd say over 50. Yeah, I, to be actually, I don't change. I'd, I'd say close to Morgs. I'd say under fifty, but lots because yeah. I I don't know if I've watched it fifty times. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, That's it a is. Lot. I, I know you watch than, a lot. I'd yeah, watch it more you than would. Once a year. I'm not sure I would have, yeah. but like I've watched Mad Max probably three or four times in the last four yeah. months. Well, I've, I've watched this movie more than more than most others that I've watched rewatched. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, perfect. Okay, so uh, what are we watching? Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, what are you watching, mate? I think oh, I'm trying to think what I've been watching. Obviously, not quite Hollywood, just because I love that. If, if you may have picked up on that once or twice or fifty bloody times, <laughs> so uh, I can't think of anything else I'm watching this week. Sorry, if it's nothing, nothing. That's oh right. no, 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 I know the old man. I've been watching that on Disney, which is ah, uh, Jeff Bridges. Interesting, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm continuing yep. with it. Don't love it. Don't hate it. Just just continuing on with it. Yep, yeah. I am right at the end of Better Call Saul. Oh, oh, oh. What happened to Kim? What happened to Kim? What happened to Kim? Ooh. 
Don't, what are you giving away spoilers I'm for? Just asking. I'm just asking. Dan I'm just sucks. asking. Just asking. Dan sucks. Why would he start talking about that? <laughs> he's, got a hat on, he's got his hat on backwards like Jim Courier. He's acting like a fuck. I, I, I actually prefer Mikhail Penfors, but yes, that's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look, I started something this week and Quick Smart ended it, which is Blockbuster, which is on Netflix, which is the movie, uh, TV series about the last Blockbuster. Oh. It's quite ironic that Netflix are producing a TV show. <laughs> yes, it is. The business that they sent out of business, mm. but I've actually done a review on YouTube about it. It's bad. Okay. I've lasted, I've gone four episodes, and that's, that's the line it. in the sand. Was it? Was it in um, Australia? The last blockbuster was that correct? I, I will. I think actually you're right. I think there was the last blockbuster in Australia. But this is about the last blockbuster in America, right? Okay, uh, because that's all that matters. Yeah, uh, is you know America. So anyway, I started and finished that quick smart and shan't be continuing. Fair uh, enough. That brings us to the end of another episode of Born to Watch, our twenty fifth. Thank you for staying with us. Where are we going? What are we doing? Well, look, we're staying Aussie. We're moving into the comedy realm. Here we're going with an old favourite of ours. Hey, Mick. Yeah, I thought that might be where you're Get going. Stuffed. Yeah, excellent. Love that. Yeah, Crocodile yeah, that's Dundee. That's a good one. Crocodile Dundee next week, and this won't take a lot of research. Is another no. one that we've all seen quite a lot of times, and we've quoted a long time on many quotes in that movie. There's a th- it's going to take a long time just on the quote. Actually, I remember where I went and saw that at the cinemas too, which is probably the only film in 25 that we've yeah. discussed that I remember. So, yeah, this would be a good one for me. Yeah. So it was it 87, 86? 86. 86. 86. 86. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, um, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about a terrible G-string and we'll have plenty to talk about the arm and the, and the can of pea soup. There's a lot of stuff to talk about in uh, Crocodile Dundee that I'm sure we'll all cover. It's been actually really great to have uh, the boys back in with me. Uh, they've been sorely missed. It's just not the same without you. And uh, we look forward to seeing all of you again or hearing all of you again on the line next week for Crocodile Dundee. So for me, it's bye for now. See you, everybody. Look forward to catching up with you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.